I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Make It British podcast. How are you today? Now, this episode is actually going out on Christmas Day 2018. Are you listening to the podcast on Christmas Day or are you tucking into a lovely Christmas dinner with your family? Whenever you may be listening to it, um, I do hope that you're going to enjoy this interview. I think you will. It's with Edward Sexton, who is the second generation of the family business Glencroft Countrywear. But before I get started on today's episode, I just want to tell you a little bit about something that we're doing at Make It British in the new year, which I think you may find really useful. Now, if you're starting the new year with a plan to launch a product or to find a new manufacturer, but you're not quite sure where to start, then you are going to want to join our five-day challenge that is starting on the 7th of January 2019. Now, you don't have to join the, the challenge that day. If you're listening to this episode in the past, then you will still be able to access the challenge. You just won't have all the benefits that will go along with joining the, the challenge at the same time as any, everyone else. But the, to join the challenge, you need to go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash get set. And once you've registered, what will happen from the 7th of January onwards for five days, you will receive an email every day giving you one simple step that will help you launch and prepare to start working with a UK manufacturer. So by the end of the five days, you will be factory ready and ready to speak to a UK manufacturer about the product that you want to take to market. To go with the special email challenge, you're also going to have access to a special Facebook group that I'm going to be setting up with other people taking the challenge. So you've got accountability from the rest of the group. And I'll be popping in the Facebook group every day to answer your questions with anything you have about launching or making a product in Britain. And I'll also be putting out a podcast episode Every single day from the, from Monday the 7th um, up until the Friday of that week of, the, of January, that will be related to the topic that we'll be covering that day in the challenge. So I do hope you'll join me. I think it's going to be a really good one. And I know a lot of people that are really struggling to communicate with manufacturers and that you're just the sort of person that this challenge will be aimed at aimed at. So if you missed the link again to sign up to the challenge, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash get set, leave me your details and you'll be notified as soon as the challenge goes live. 
So now let's get on with today's episode. As I said, I'm interviewing Edward Sexton, who is a second generation of family business, Glencroft Countrywear. And that's a company that have been members of Make It British right from the very early days. Glencroft is a family business selling British wool and sheepskin products, as well as traditional countrywear, sort of like tweed hats. The business was started by Edward's father, who still to this day trims in fact, he hand trims all of the sheepskin rugs that the company sells. And Glencroft's products are distributed throughout a network of worldwide independent retailers. In this interview, Edward talks about why he supports these local independent retailers and why that's so important. And we also chat about why testing a product before it is launched is so important. And also Edward gives advice for how he sources the manufacturers that he works with. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing Edward. Okay, let's get on with it. Hello, Edward. Thank you very much for joining me today. That's all right. Hello, Kate. Thanks very much for having me. Um, Glencroft has been established 20 years, am I correct? 30? Uh, just, just over 30, 87. So do you so. want to tell me a little bit about how it came about? Uh, yeah, my father has worked in the sheepskin and wool industry since the 60s. He used to uh, supply uh, wool to mills across Yorkshire back in the 60s and uh, then worked for a variety of companies in the 70s and 80s and decided around 87 that he'd had enough of it and wanted to go it alone and make his own range of really good uh, British stuff from all from sheep, so wool and sheepskin. Right. So what were the first products that you started with then? We had a big, at the time we made a lot of jumpers in Scotland. Unfortunately, none of those manufacturers are there anymore. But we, it was always supplying a lot of Scottish uh, retailers, which is why Glencroft sounded perfect for us, even though we're based in Yorkshire and we're proud to say so. And then we coupled that with traditional lambskin gloves and woolen scarves. They were the main things that we started with. Ah, right. So you started with knitwear and that was, I presume, because your dad had a good source for all the yarn. Yeah, it was knowing suppliers and knowing how the traditional wool and sheepskin industry works and knowing tanneries and spinners and, you know, knowing how that was what he knew best, really. And then you say you say he started in 87. That was just as manufacturing started to decline. So he couldn't have picked a worse time. Yeah, I think he's he's he'll tell you the amount of uh, supply manufacturers we've been through has been quite quite a lot and there's quite a few that we're still with that we've used for over 30 years oh really um, so yeah oh, so I'll, I'll tell you those off air but they're, they're, we're really proud to be still knowing these people even though the people might have changed like me they might be a new generation but um yeah whereabouts in Yorkshire are you Clapham uh, in the Yorkshire Dales. Uh, it's uh, between Ingleton and uh, Settle. Which is a beautiful part of the world. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I grew up here and so that's fine. Yeah, I was up in Yorkshire recently. It's just it's just stunning. Lots of sheep. Yes, yeah. So, so, um, so we were talking about your dad then and how he's weathered the storm when you said it was tenacity. Yeah, well, tenacity and his, uh, my father's speciality was always sales. Right. Um, so he's a traditional salesman. That's what he's done before he had our business and since he's got our business. So his um, sort of main thing for us was always seeing as many of our customers as possible in person each year. And we still do that. And that when you're traditionally, I guess, a wholesaler, 
which is what you know a lot of brands are essentially um it was that personal service that i think kept people with him over the last 30 years and, and that's in the trade side of the business mainly that's really interesting brilliant so that was that people to people thing and getting out there yeah yeah you've retained that even though you're selling a lot more on the internet you still get out there and meet the customers yeah we try and meet all well the trade customers we try and see i've tried to um uh really write our values down recently and one of the values i've written is customer service treat people like a friend because i sort of think you know while you want to make a good product i think if you stick with that you can't go too far wrong i think mostly so you know, yeah, that's so please. true. So at what point did you come into the business? And apart from yourself and your father, is there any other member, members of the family that are working? Yes. So uh, my father set up with my mother 30 years ago. Uh, my mother's a trained nurse. Um, and so she this is her second career and she came in to help out. Um, and she still does a lot of the finance, um, sort of looking after it and also helping day to day. Um, all three are still involved, although I'm trying at the minute to put the business in a position where they can look to take a few days retirement or take a step back. Um, I bet your dad doesn't want to retire, though, does he? Does no. he enjoy it? He very much does. But I'm, I'm looking at ways that he can still do what he's really good at and still contribute. He still trims our sheepskin rugs each week by hand. And, you know, I'm keen for while he's fit and wants to do it to, to carry on. But we're just, uh, we're figuring out how these, uh, how it works, really. And I've seen the video of your dad trimming his sheepskin rug. So I'll make sure I include the link to that in yeah. the show notes for the podcast because it's brilliant. How old yeah, is your we, dad now? Would he mind me asking that question? I'm sure, I'm sure he won't. He is uh, foot three. So what's that? 75. Wow. So he could have retired 10 years ago. Yes, yes, and I'm sure many of his friends has, but he's he's um, full of energy, so uh, I think he keeps like uh, to keep going. Love what he do, what he does, which I find is so common amongst people that are making in the UK that they're really yeah, enjoying it. Definitely, and I, I think he's he's excited to know that I'm in the business and potentially I, we could continue because before I decided to join, I guess it could have gone to nothing, and that would I think be be sad, you know to for your life's work to, to not carry on. So I think that's, that's, he likes that. So out throughout the 30 years and you've, you mentioned earlier that you've had challenges with manufacturers. Some have gone by the wayside. How, how do you go about sourcing the manufacturers that you work with and what have been the challenges? Um, I think over the years, um, it's finding reliability in the suppliers I think a lot of the suppliers traditionally in the first 10 years probably came from word of mouth, who you know, chatting to people. On occasion, you might pick up a yellow pages. Um, <laughs> but that, them. Yeah, so but that, that was the original way. But a lot of them stayed with us for quite a while. And then we also, um, I'm also keen to point out to people, you can always contact the organisations such as British Wool, and they're really good at pointing you in the right direction of people that use the product. Um, in more recent years, it is just a matter of a bit of networking and a bit of Googling, really. But it, it's um, finding a new manufacturer from from finding their name to speaking to them to getting a reliable source. I found takes about two to three years. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I think some people expect an automatic result when they're looking for a manufacturer, don't they? You've got yeah. to find the right one, build them up as a kind of partner, that someone that you can work with. It's not a it's not a quick term fix. Yeah, I guess I, somebody said, a customer said to me the other day, that's why not everyone does it. But yeah. um, 
it is uh, is a challenge and we've had a few that we've tried that hasn't worked out for various reasons but you know you've just got to find what fits with you really yeah that's that's so true so um i love your tagline do you want to just tell everyone what it is and how it how you came up with that uh yeah it was our tagline is trustworthy uh country wear if i got that right yeah (laughs) Yeah, just checking um it was actually trying we um launched a um my background is marketing so when i joined the business we did a a full color catalog that was really well designed because i felt that the marketing materials didn't reflect the quality of the products so trade buyers retailers might look at our marketing materials and not realize the quality behind it and think we were you know less efficient or, or less low quality products than we had so we needed a strap line i looked at a few and this was one that we could all the family agree on um <laughs> trustworthy fits with that whole thing about customer service and you know that's the most important thing to us and we get stories from people saying i bought your hat 20 years ago i want a new one because i want a different color because it's not wearing out. So, and that's sort of fitted with what we wanted, really. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And it's true of so many British brands as well, that they make quality products that last a lifetime. Yeah. And I always say to people, they say, well, it's more expensive to buy stuff that's made in the UK, but if it lasts longer, then the cost per wear is actually lower. Yeah, and, so, and also some of the some of the high-quality products, you, you forget these days that some stuff you buy looks awful the next season. Whereas I've been wearing jumpers for like five, six years and they still look pretty much similar to how I bought them when they began. So, And do you use British wool still for all of your knitwear? Uh, yes, mostly British wool, um, which uh, is, the uh, if you look on the British wool website, British wool means it has to be at least 50% British wool, yeah. um, which isn't as clear as I think it maybe should be. But uh, we have looked at all options. Um, 100% British wool, we'd love to use it, but the jumpers would be ridiculously priced. Nobody would pay it. But it is, it is something we look at. And we have used a bit of merino as well because it's a lot softer. Yeah. But uh, we try and stick with British wool because not many manufacturers, especially high streets, are doing that. So it's a good niche for us as well. And I think as well with sustainability being so important, people like the fact that it's 100% British and you can trace the whole supply chain. So you've got the British yarn spun in the UK. I presume your yarn is spun in the UK, is it? Yeah, mostly. I mean, what's interesting is the British Wool Marketing Board are doing a changing their licensing at the minute. So oh, that really? it's a lot stricter on people who use the British Wool brand. They're following down the supply chain. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, how that continues. Mm. But yeah, it, we are using stuff that's scoured and spun in the UK. Brilliant. Um, so obviously you started as a wholesale business and you talked about the catalogue um, and your background is in marketing. Now that you also have your website and you're selling more direct to the end user, how has that differed? How has that changed your business? And what marketing tactics that you learned in your previous career have you brought into the family business? Well, we're, we're, you should probably ask me again in a year because we're just getting going on the retail. But for me, it was always a goal because we want to uh, control and build our brand. And you can't do that that well through trade because you're dependent on what the um, retailers will say about you or, or do about you. I mean, there is one thing you can do, which is improve your packaging, which is also what we're working on. 
Um, but the reason why we're doing the retail is I want to get in touch with the people who are buying our brand so I'm getting direct feedback. Yeah. I've tried to do a, a bit of research, um, but you just can't, unless you're speaking to the people, you can't get it. I think when I used to do marketing, somebody used to say to me, "If you on your first day at a business, if you want to change the business and get them to like you, go through all the customer service reports and all the emails from customers, answer those questions and you'll fix a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that has been your strategy recently then has to get closer to the customer. As a yeah, the, it, it's been consolidation the first few years, getting us in a position where we're a little bit more um, sustainable and a solid base of suppliers, technology, um, all our routes to market, our marketing materials, everything about it, trying to make it a bit more so that I don't have to think about it and things, it's easy to send out orders and all the rest of it. And now we're looking at expansion and that means getting the brand really solid and knowing what makes us different and making sure it's clear to the to the customer. Yeah. And how's your dad and your mum found that? You've obviously come into the business and tinkered. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, I think they um, a lot of the stuff I look at, they they not sure how to do it themselves so they're happy for me to get on with it such Brilliant. as websites and emails which is for them so it seems it's working okay but um yeah there's um if anyone's worked in a family business you'll know it's not uh, it's a little <laughs> bit challenging but. well funny enough i was at, um up in yorkshire last week for our make it british forum event and um i come up to yorkshire quite a bit and visit the mills and what have you and i've noticed there's so many family businesses in yorkshire almost kind of certainly more than you see in a lot of the other UK counties. Um, why do you think that is, that so many family businesses have survived in Yorkshire? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, I do. when I used to live in London, I used to get meet people from all over the country. Whereas when you meet people in Yorkshire, there's a lot of people who've lived in Yorkshire their whole lives. I think maybe, you know, if you're, if you're in such a beautiful part of the world, why... I move I, I, I'm difficult to know I mean I, I met a farmer last week locally a local sheep farmer and he was telling me how they're in their fifth generation and they've been on the hills for you know over four or five hundred years so uh, we've got a bit of a way to go till we catch up with them but um so yeah five five generations yeah at least I mean I was um Joshua Ellis I went to see recently I think they, they're 250 years old, aren't they? So yeah. there's part of, yeah. Quite exactly, yeah. They're, they're fantastic what they do and what they make. Yeah. So do you get out to visit the manufacturers a lot? You mentioned that your knitwear... Um, yeah, very much so. We, it's all, uh, all the knitwear is made in the north of England. We um, go to the factories. Often, sometimes we go to the factories to pick up. When you're creating a lot of stock, sometimes you can reduce prices by cutting out the carriage costs. Yep, that's so true, yeah. Especially if you can fit it in with journeys elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, we, we're seeing different manufacturers uh, every week. And that's at the minute, because cool. it's getting cold, we're selling with quite a high turnover at the minute. And we also have some of our items are made by hand by just a couple of people that we work closely with as well. Fantastic. So, so um, what advice would you give um, to someone who was, because your business is quite well established, but someone that was maybe starting out now with a knitwear brand made in the UK, what would be your one top tip? I think uh, if anything you can do to test a product when you get it as a sample, such as wearing it yourself for a while, trying other people wear it and getting as much feedback as you can is useful because we have had some uh, ridiculous problems over the years that you don't even think about when you have a reliable supplier. 
So we had a jumper at one point come to us where one arm was longer than the other. And, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and and you actually, yeah. you sort of think, how is how is that possible? But it's because you've worked, if you work with really good manufacturers, it's so innate in the production process that it wouldn't happen. Now, yeah. if you're using a big manufacturer, that's not going to happen. But you do you do sort of forget that there's some things that are actually so vital to a product that you even forget about needing them. And actually, you only find out by putting the product on, trying it out, testing it. Yeah, that's so true. I remember from my days as a buyer, some of the things you would get back that you wouldn't expect from the factory, especially when I worked with China, you know, garments with only one sleeve because they didn't understand that the technical drawing we'd sent them, where we were kind of giving an artist impression, we didn't mean for them only to put one sleeve on it. And, and I also think that going to the factory to see the final production before it gets shipped, so you're saying you're picking the products up. Again, yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah, I mean, we go and see our manufacturers every, every year or so if we can, and we usually have a, a meeting with them, usually December, January time, where we plan out, our products for next year, what we're going to do, what designs we want to bring in. And it, it's a way of looking at what we're doing for next year, but also having a chat with them face-to-face and seeing, you know, getting their input on the industry as well. Um, and I think good manufacturers, good suppliers, won't mind chatting to you and telling you everything you want to know. If anyone's buying from me, they ask me any questions, I would be happily talk about sheep all day with them. Whereas if, <laughs> you know, if you're being fobbed off, maybe that's not the, the manufacturer for you. So Yeah. And obviously the current economic climate is a bit tricky. Um, how, is, how have you noticed that affecting your business or the, your suppliers? And what contingencies have you got in place? Well, the, the last, uh, the, the 2007-2008 crash we actually found didn't have much effect on us because I think there was this, uh, people went for quality quite a lot in that period. So we didn't actually find much of a dip in our products through that. Although we do know a couple of supplies went out of business, which is very sad. So I I think that's what's important. If you do have a high quality product, you are a bit more robust to some of the ups and downs. Um, It'll be really interesting. We're keeping a very close eye on the Euro for, because that is a really positive for the British made uh, products that we have. We, we have about 85% British products. What will happen for the non-British products, it will be interesting because if the, if the euro completely goes down, it will make it very difficult mm. uh, to make and compete. What percentage of your products do you export? Uh, we export all of our products, um, but there's some products that are uh, picked up more than others. Mm. Uh, we export a lot to Japan. Yeah, I'm just at the minute trying to put together a, our first trip to Japan to try and uh, increase that side of the business, which I'm very excited yes. about. I love Japan. Uh, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? It's make it British, but I do. Uh, I love the quirkiness of Japan. Well, and the Japanese love British products. Yeah, they do. They, they really understand where it comes from and and what it's all about, um, and they love everything British, such as some of the products we use. We use Harris Tweed quite a lot, and they. Absolutely love that because it's a yeah. you know well-known established brand. They love British wool, and they also love the sheepskin. They're, they're the main things that we uh, supply to, to, to well the Japanese market, and then the Americans and the Canadians similar. They've got lots of British shops and Scottish shops that love everything. That's yeah, I can believe it. How about China? If you you going to we we haven't that? we haven't put a foot into China yet, um, and it is something I, I'm looking at. I have spotted the odd fake on eBay. 
a couple of uh, months ago. Of your which, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Was it, fakes. Yeah, I was, I was sort of quite flattered in a way. I didn't think our brand was big enough to be... Um, but eBay has quite an easy process where you just, if you've got a registered brand, which we do, you just put your details in and, and they remove it for you. But um, That's a great yeah. site. That's very flattering though, isn't it? It is. I was, uh, I was surprised. Also, it wasn't a, a copycat product. It was a completely different product with our brand on it. So it was, uh, anyway. Outrageous. <laughs> well, on that note then, where can people find the real Glencroft and the, your, your products? Where can they buy them from? Uh, well, you can buy it on our website. If you put Glencroft into Google, you'll find us there. We supply lots of really good discerning uh, shops and retailers, lots in the highlands and islands of Scotland, um, in the Lake District, more and more in the south of England, although traditionally our business has been in the north. So if you have a small independent shop near you, they can also buy from us to tell them to give us a call. Because we, we, we really try and support the shops that we sell to because some of our products, they're almost best bought from shops where you can try them on, yep. where you can wear the items. We set up our trade and our retail business in such a way that so that our uh, the retailers we supply can ensure that they um, can do a good price if they wish for customers. So it is worthwhile visiting uh, visiting the shops. You won't necessarily get it cheaper online. That's really good to hear because so many people I think these days start online um, and then they think, how am I going to wholesale? And I haven't got the margin to sell to shops. And then. You, we're seeing the decline of the high street because people are just selling online. So it's great to hear that you're supporting the independent retailers. Yeah, you've got to have an RRP that everyone can work with. No, not that they have to sell at that price, but it just means that it gives shops the best opportunity, really. Mm-hmm. And, and they're the ones that are getting our brand out there more than our retail side of the businesses because the nature of wholesale, you're selling in high volume. So actually, it'd be, it'd be so foolish of us to... Uh, to, to not really try and support them. Yeah, that's brilliant. Right, on that note, Edward, I will uh, let you get on and I'll say goodbye. Thank you very much for joining me today. You have been fabulous. Thank uh, you very much for having me. It's an absolute honour. Great. And I will put all the links to your website and your social media accounts and where people can find you on the Make It British website as well um, in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. 
For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.